0: We do not stand as deity, Father. Our responsibility is to search your word and your scriptures daily, Father, and to receive and accept them as being so, because a king wrote them for our benefit. The great Lord of all lords wrote them for our instruction, our admonition, our information. So, Father, we choose to yield to your word. A king wrote them for our benefit. Lord wrote them for us to increase our faith. Father, we choose to yield to your word. We thank you for giving us your word. And Father, with all thanksgiving and praise and honor, we thank you for them, Father, in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, praise God. Is the Lord good? He is good. Amen. Is he good? If he's good, does he want to heal us? He does want to heal us. Amen. Uh, and so the nice thing is it's not a sovereign thing that he's up in heaven just deciding yes or no Uh, you get a yes you get a no you get a maybe sometime later on but not right now Uh, he's already uh, defined it in his word as something that belongs to us and really from from a biblical standpoint if you can find any any specific promise of God that has already been given to us in a permanent way then there's really no need to request for heaven to give you that because he's already given it to you and it's really kind of poor taste to go back to the lord and ask him to give you something that he's already told you that belongs to you and yet many christians will pray to the lord lord please heal me and there's really especially in the area of healing there's no need to do that because he already said the believer shall lay hands on the sick and they'll what recover so do you need to ask the lord lord is it okay if the believers lay hands on the sick and and his response would be like i thought i already covered that i thought i already told you you could lay hands on them yes lord but i need to know if it's okay if i lay hands on them and the lord's like i i told you it's okay in fact i commanded you to do it okay i know you commanded us to do it, lord but is it okay if i do that and he'd be like uh, i think it was a cool hand luke the movie right What we have here is a failure to communicate right uh, and, you know, there's so many times that the Lord's like, you know, I told you that. I know, Lord, is it okay if I do that? And, and the Lord's like, okay. Well, something is not getting across here. Amen? And that's the thing I love about the Word of God is it's not a difficult book to read and to understand. Uh, you know, there's uh, 80, 90% or more. You can just read it, go with it. It makes perfect sense, you know. There may be a few scriptures that you have to dig a little in to, to get some discernment to know what they mean and how to apply them to your life. Uh, like the book of Numbers, all the, you know, the 27 generations of begats. Okay, I'm sure that's important. Yeah. I have not figured out how to apply that to my life yet. But somehow it's important, right? It is important because it does show us the bloodline of Jesus, and that's really the primary reason why they uh, recorded all the genealogies to show that Jesus uh, came through a line of imperfect people. Now, if you ever go study the bloodline of Jesus, you realize it's a miracle of God uh, that he even made it to the earth. Amen with all the liars and cheats and thieves and, and, and uh, harlots and, uh, and adulterers and, and murderers. I mean, it, it, it's, it, he does not have a clean family tree, right? Anybody got skeletons in, in your closet? He's got a whole, uh, whole army of skeletons in his closet, amen? And so we finished up with some questions last time when we were here. I know Ms. Marilyn was here uh, with us last week and teaching on healing. And doesn't she have a good testimony in healing? Uh, uh, the Lord has supernaturally healed her Uh, and of course it was really uh, based upon her faith I know the Lord can on occasion move sovereignly but she had the faith to believe in a healer and and he met her at her faith, amen? Uh, And so uh, we finished up the first section of questions here Uh, and of course Dr. McCrossin is going through and and he's making the case, he's making the, the argument that healing belongs to us today and the whole purpose of this book is to go through uh, not only uh, what the Word of God says, but also to look at, in contrast, what people outside that, out, you know, they're in, in the church, but they are outside the doctrine of the Word of God and to say, well, here's what this person says and here's, you know, an exhaustive reason why this is not true, amen? And so uh, we, the first part of it was uh, that he was the healer of the Old Covenant, right? The Bible says in Exodus 15, 26, that, uh, that he is Jehovah Rapha, I am the Lord that healeth thee. And so he's showing if he was the Old Testament uh, healer, uh, then uh, he never changes. So when did he stop becoming the Old Testament healer? Uh, And really, you know, if he really was the Old Testament healer, and most people would say, yes, he was, but he no longer is. Well, the uh, the book of Hebrews says that we have a better covenant based upon better promises. So how is no healing better than supernatural healing? Uh, What, what, normal, sane person would say, okay, so I could get supernatural healing in the old covenant, I don't get it in the new covenant, so I'm better off. Anybody, you know, I had a brand new car off the, you know, right off the uh, off the production line, uh, and it, it started up every single time, and I exchanged it for a car that might start once a month, and, and I have got a major upgrade. Anybody think like, you know, no sane person thinks that way, but people in the church, oh yeah, we're better off. Uh, and they'll say things like, well, we have doctors now, right? And, of course, we've gone through that argument many times, you know. Uh, you ever gone to a doctor and he goes, uh, uh, in fact, we took our, we took our, our pet to the, doc, to the vet uh, and uh, she was having some problems with, with one of her paws and the, the vet's like, I have no idea. Well, I, I mean, how long has it been veterinary medicine? Uh, some, somehow this one cat that we have has, has stumped the veterinarian has got a dozen years of training, and 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 then probably twenty or thirty years of practice, and and he had no idea. Now, how many times have you gone to the doctor? And doctor, what's going on? I have no idea. How how is that better? Amen. And so, so he uh, he starts out in this section about talking about what some opponents of healing make, uh, what's st- what statements some of them make, and so these are things that people at his time frame. So he wrote this book. Uh, before 1930 or so, so nearly 100 years ago, and and there was a lot of of intellectualism getting into the church and a lot of people making uh, statements that the primary purpose of the statement is to remove faith out of the church. And even today, people oftentimes are trying to remove faith. Well, if God wants to heal you, He'll heal you if He wants to, and there's really nothing you can do about it. Well, if that's true, of course it's not true, but if that's true, then your faith has got nothing to do with it. If it's, only, if it's entirely a sovereign decision of God without your faith, then, then you've got nothing to do with it. And your faith has no impact on your ability to, to obtain healing. Uh, and so and, and a lot of folks, they're, they're always you know, when you listen to people if they're always trying to push everything into the sovereignty of God the goal is to remove faith and responsibility from your part. Amen? And that way, you're not responsible. If God doesn't heal you it's not your fault because he's sovereign. He will heal you or he won't heal you. If God doesn't bless you, it's not your fault because God will either bless you or he won't bless you. It's entirely up to him. You have nothing to do about it. And yet Jesus said, ask him what? God. Shall be given unto you. So if, it, if it's not given unto you, who's at fault if you're not asking? Well, then you would be if he told you, here's the plan. I want you to ask. And if you ask, the if is on our part, I will give you what you ask for. Well, Lord, if you want me to have it, then, then you'll just give it to me without me asking. Is that, that's not what he said. And yet much of the church continues to try to push everything into the sovereignty of God. And, and the motivation behind it is I don't want to be responsible for any of my failures. I want all my failures to be in the sovereignty of God. That he just, He's decided that I, my life should not be a life full of blessing and full of healing and full of prosperity that my life is, he has decided that my life should be difficult and a hard road uh, and a difficult uh, field to plow. That's my life. That's my, my lot in life to bear. Uh, and, and, and really, it's just, they're just lazy. They don't want to put the effort in to develop faith. Uh, and so, uh, and, and, and they will be adamant. I mean, they will be aggressively adamant against faith. And that's what some of these people said that he recorded that they had said in his time frame. One said, did our Lord Jesus Christ by his death on the cross atone for bodily sickness and disease? No, never. That was one of the statements. No, never. He did not uh, atone for bodily sickness and disease. You know, that's pretty adamant, right? There's exclamation marks. No, never. Like That's demonstrably not true from the word of God. Amen? Uh, one said that the doctrine of our Lord Jesus Christ when he died on the cross, made an atonement for sickness and diseases of, of the body is a false doctrine. That Jesus, when he died on the cross, made an atonement for sickness and disease of, of the body is a false doctrine. That's still, that thinking is still prevalent today. That the, It's a false doctrine that Jesus made an atonement for our sickness and disease uh, on the cross and a doctrine that cannot be found from one end of the Holy Scripture to the other there are literally hundreds of scriptures that invalidate that statement. Hundreds of scriptures. Uh, and, and, you know, if there are hundreds of scriptures and there are, because we, we recorded every single one of them in that book over there, there's 435 scriptures in there. Uh, and uh, there, there's uh, 31,102 uh, verses in the King James translation. So that means there's more than 1% of all scriptures are related to healing. So that's a lot. I mean, one out of every 100 scriptures you read, is going to say something about healing unless you get in, in stuck in the book of Numbers, right, in the begats, you know, there might be another 200. Uh, but so, but that's still a lot, amen? Uh, and so, they said that the, it cannot be found from one end of the Holy Scriptures to the other. You know, the nice thing about that statement is, well, then let's just see, right? I mean, that's like throwing the gauntlet down. You know, I dare you to find a verse that says uh, something about healing. Okay, no problem, right? I'll be glad. Where would you like to start? How much time do you have? Uh, and so, Uh, And one says, the teaching uh, that Christ died for our diseases as he died for our sins is a human invention and not a Bible doctrine. Now these are, you know, PhD level, you know, important people writing books and and, uh, articles and and such things at this time frame. Uh, And uh, the problem, you know, I don't have a problem with people thinking this. I have a problem with people teaching this because they're, 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 causing the masses to go along with that. Amen? If you want to believe something squirrely, you know, not my problem. When you start impacting other people's faith and to to remove faith out of their life, see, then that's a problem. Uh, And the problem is not so much that people believe incorrect things. The problem is people are teaching incorrect things. Uh, In fact, you know, the Word of God tells us that, that teachers will be under stricter judgment from the Lord than people who are not teachers. People are just sitting and listening to the teachers uh, the teachers themselves because they have the ability to impact the direction of the course of people's lives by what the word of God says will be judged more severely I will be judged more severely uh, than, than say you know my wife because I'm, I'm a teacher in the body of Christ amen uh, and so uh, if you're going to say those things then the Lord Jesus is going to ask you as a teacher when you get to heaven uh, did you make this statement that the teaching of Christ died for our diseases as he died for our sins it's a human invention Well, Lord, I don't recall. Hit play, uh, and they'll just you know they'll recorded it in heaven. You know that you said those things, Uh, and uh, he said, "Would you like to to uh, adjust that statement?" Right, and so hopefully we'll have the opportunity to do that. Amen. Uh, And so, uh, so then he starts uh, showing why these statements are all false. Right. He starts making the case, and that's what I love about uh, Doctor McCross, and and that's what I love about uh, our circles of the Body of Christ is. It's not, you know, the the church is not supposed to be about uh, human philosophy. The church is supposed to be about biblical doctrine. Amen? Uh, It's not what you think that matters. It's what the Word of God says. Amen? It's what you can prove what the Word of God says. That's the only thing that matters. Uh, And the nice thing is, uh, if we don't know, we've got a, a finite number of books in the Word of God that we can research to find out if it's so or not. Amen? It's not an infinitely long book. Uh, It's not an impossibly uh, difficult book to discern. Uh, You can just, I've gotten to where sometimes you just type something in Google and it'll it'll show you where that verse is at. It's like, I know it's got something to do with this. And you don't have to be close. It'll just show you, it's like, okay, that's where it's at. Uh, And so you can find stuff easily today. If you're looking for concepts or ideas, You know, if you know the word, then you can uh, search in a Bible program for that. But sometimes you don't even know the word, you just know the concept. And, and many times you can search just on that concept and it'll show you five verses that are related to that verse. So he made this statement about himself uh, before he starts with the actual uh, dissertation and the argument about uh, these statements. He says, let us lay aside all prejudice and examine the Bible teaching on this most important subject. And so that, that's a good way to, to uh, 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 start with is let's look at what the Bible says about this, amen? Amen. Uh, We don't have to get into philosophy. We don't have to make any any intellectual arguments. Let's just see what the Word of God says. And to me, that should settle everything. Amen? That should settle all arguments. He said, said, the writer talked about himself, because it's, you know, especially back then, it was not good taste to, to say, well, I think this, that typically when you're writing books at this time frame, you would rarely say, well, I believe this as the author. You would talk about yourself in the third person, where he says, the writer, so he's talking about himself. The writer is Scotch canadian and cannot possibly believe any doctrine until he has found the best possible scriptural reasons for doing so and that's a good way to be amen that you don't believe anything anybody says until you have found the best possible scriptural reason to believe that amen so if someone says god doesn't heal today well i need to have book chapter verse about why god doesn't heal today and what you'll find is they never have book, chapter, and verse. They have, well, you know, sister, do dad, died of sickness and disease. Well, you know, that person over there died, and they were a great saint of God. Well, that person said they were believing for healing. They didn't get healed. And so based upon all the evidence that we can, we can uh, amass in the natural world, therefore, the word of God is not so. Uh, and so what you'll find is they may pick some obscure verse that doesn't even say what they say it says. Or most of the time they'll based upon the weight of natural evidence that they can observe uh, around them. And so he said, well, let's just start, and he'll, he's going to give four witnesses that the atonement covers physical healing. So when the person made the statement that there, uh, it cannot be found from one end of the Holy Scripture to the other, he said, well, let's just show you how it, how it is found in the Scriptures from one end of the Scripture to the other. And so he starts out in Isaiah 53, 4, and, of course, we know this verse, but I think it's good to uh, open up your Bible and find out where it's actually seen in your Bible because then you know, like in my Bible, I'm not there yet, but it's on the right-hand page in the left-hand column uh, at the bottom of the page on the left-hand column. And that's where chapter 53 is. is that where is that where yours is at? Right? I don't know what page number. It's on page 793 in my Bible. But I, I can tell you, you know, now it's a little difficult when you get into the digital world because there's no pages in the digital world. It's just continuous, but... Anyway, so, but here here he is, he starts out uh, with Isaiah 53, 4. This is a great way to start because this scripture is found uh, throughout, uh, it follows itself through uh, both in the Old Covenant and the New Covenant and and the Gospels and and the Epistles. And so, uh, Isaiah 53, 4 says, Surely he hath borne our griefs and carried our sorrows, yet we did esteem him stricken, smitten of God, and afflicted. And if you remember, he, he's, he goes through and he starts out talking about the word griefs here. And you remember he's got, uh, if, you, if you look in your book, he'll have a number there, uh, H2483. Amen? Did everybody know that the, that the Hebrew word griefs was H2483? No, hopefully you remember that right. I, I mean, I know a few of them, right? Like... Uh, Agape is uh, Greek number 26, amen? And I think uh, Hebrew number one is Abba, Father. And I think that's about all I know, right? There's about 8,000 uh, unique words uh, that uh, Dr. Strong had listed. And, and so uh, he just randomly picked these numbers, right? There's, there's not any, uh, I think they're sort of alphabetical, but they're not even uh, strictly alphabetical. Uh, and so uh, griefs in the Hebrew was the, was number 2483 unique hebrew word that he identified from the old covenant writings and so that's where it came up with that number it doesn't mean anything at all it's just a number and so uh, but it makes it easy to to look up that word Uh, in fact if you if you use a bible program like i use you can type in the, the number h2483 and it will show you every location where that exact Hebrew word was used every verse of that Hebrew word was used and so if you're studying these topics if you're doing a topical study like healing that's a good way to do a topical study we'll just find out everywhere this Hebrew word is used because what you'll find is in this case it was used 24 times in the Old Testament Uh, and out of those 24 times 12 of them it was translated as sickness Uh, seven times it was translated as the word disease one time it was translated as the word sick and four times it was translated as the word Greek. So what you'll find is any Greek or Hebrew word, the English translators will translate that in multiple ways to, because sometimes one English word fits a little bit better. Sometimes they just got it wrong. You know, sometimes they said, well, we think it means this. But then you look at the context and it's like, well, I think it might have been that. I mean, so, and so sometimes they have valid reasons for that. But a lot of times it's just what fits best in that. You know, as translators, you, uh, translations are always and exercise and compromise about what's the best way to get this thought across uh, in in a different language than the original language that uh, we had uh, the scriptures were written in. Uh, And so he went through, and and we're not going to go through all of those, but what you'll find uh, is in all of those cases, in those 24 times where it's sickness or disease or sick or grief, well, that's talking about being sick, amen? Now, uh, we don't typically use the word grief in the, in the idea of sickness and disease. Out of the 24 times, it was only translated four times as the word grief. The other times, sick disease or sickness, that's clearly physical sickness, amen? Uh, and so what you can find about, uh, if you go through all of these things, uh, all of these uh, uh, scriptures, these references of these 24 cases, you'll find that it's talking about diseases or sicknesses, and you can tell from the context it's talking about a physical ailment. Amen? It's not a spiritual sickness, not a mental sickness. It's a physical disease of some kind, right? Uh, You know, a common one, of course, was leprosy. But if you go to Deuteronomy chapter 28, it's got all kinds of things. The botch, the itch, you know, and all kinds of things, you know, that that sounds uh, like you should spray something on it. And so, uh, uh, but they're physical diseases, amen? And so... Uh, So the King James translated that word that was uh, uh, really meant for sickness as Greeks. And uh, and if you go through some modern, uh, good translations, they will have translated that correctly. One of the best modern translations is the RSV, the Revised Standard Version, that was, uh, uh, I think, published originally in 1946, and I think it was revised, the revision was revised again in like 1952, and it's a good, solid translation. It's fairly modern. So at that time, they had some additional information, Dead Sea Scrolls, and, and, and uh, some additional uh, insight into the Greek and Hebrew. And so that, and that's one reason why uh, we get new translations because we get more information, right? Somebody will go re- find something, and they may find some old Greek manuscript. It has nothing to do with the Word of God, but it gives them more insight into some of the old Greek words, and they can use that to, to better understand uh, some of the Greek and Hebrew words, amen, uh, and so I've got no problem with, with new and modern translations, some of them are better than others, uh, and, it, and if you really, you really need to go and read, well, what, what was the motivation for this particular translation, right, what, what, why were they wanting to do that, what, uh, what was their primary intent, and so you can go through some translations, like the Young's Literal Translation was written by, uh, uh, Dr. Robert Young, uh, in 1898, and that's a common, uh, translation one of his primary goals was to was to improve the tense of the verbs and so he wanted to make sure if a verb was intended to be a continuous action or a present tense action uh, instead of trying to force it into a a a good sounding English phrase he would prefer to make it sound like the original intent was and so it doesn't always read uh, like you're reading a story but the intent was to get the point across that some of these things are continuous actions so anyway uh uh, Brother Hagen actually told the story. He knew one of the translators that was on the committee to translate the RSV, the Revised Standard Version, back in, in the 40s uh, when it was originally created. And they, so typically you would have a committee of people and they'd be assigned d- different parts of the scriptures. You go do this book or you go do this chapter. And one of the, one of the foundation principles of the translators uh, was uh, the original agreement was to translate each verse in the most accurate way well that sounds like a fair uh, a fair goal right uh and so instead of going well i've always believed that it should say this well it doesn't matter what you believe it should say what does it actually say right as you understand as far as you understand the language what does it say uh, and so that was the original intent when we when we're going to go through the old covenant and the new covenant and and when we get to each verse uh, to the be- very best of our ability we're going to translate regardless of what we think about it we're going to translate the way it should be translated that should be a fair statement until they got to isaiah 53 verse 4 to this very verse right <clears throat> At which again in the king james says surely he hath borne our griefs and carried our sorrows well when you read that just at the surface level it doesn't really say anything much about sickness and disease amen griefs and sorrows sounds more like emotional problems right griefs sorrows you're not happy you're you're depressed or sad And that sounds more like mental issues or even spiritual issues, but doesn't really sound much like physical issues. And so they got to Isaiah 53, uh, verse 4, and it says that the other translators were unwilling to translate griefs and sorrows that we see in King James to their more accurate uh, versions of sicknesses and pains. Because that's the, the more accurate translation of griefs and sorrows is sicknesses and pains, which lends the idea that he's specifically talking about physical ailments. Amen? Not mental issues or spiritual issues, but physical ailments. Uh, And and because they said, uh, and they quoted this, they said, if we do this, in other words, if we translate this griefs and sorrows as sicknesses and pains, if we do this, it will play right into the hands of those who believe in healing. So we're not doing it. Well, that is is just uh, intellectual criminality. Right? I mean, it's just, uh, and so that, that person, a Brother Hagin, new person that was on the committee, he resigned. Well, then you're not doing what you said you are going to do. You're not going to actually translate it to the very best of your ability. And if you pick up any, uh, pick up any uh, RSV translation and read Isaiah 53, verse 4, it says, Surely he hath borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. That, that is a, a cowardly way to translate that, right? Because they knew better. Now, the King James, that was 400 and something years ago. Okay, we'll, give him a, we'll cut him some slack. But the RSV was done 60 years ago. Well, I guess 80 years ago now. Mm-hmm. And um, that, that's just somebody who's just terrified. Well, we can't have people actually believing in things, so let's just, let's just translate that in a not clear way. Because griefs and sorrows is not very clear. Uh, and if you go to Young's literal translation again, which was translated in the late 1800s, he translated that, Surely our sicknesses he hath borne, and our, par- and our pains... He hath carried them, and we, having esteemed him, uh, plagued, smitten of God, and afflicted. Mm-hmm. And so, Doctor Robert Young was more brave by himself translating the the Old Testament than an entire committee of people, because they were afraid uh, yeah. that well, people are mm-hmm. just going to believe that if we say sicknesses and diseases, they're going to actually believe that. Well, okay, what's wrong with believing what the Word says? Amen. Mm-hmm. And so, so the word griefs then again. Should, should have been translated as sicknesses because the majority of times it was used in the Old Covenant was talking about physical sicknesses. And so, you know, the, the, that's not to say that other times it couldn't have been translated as something else, uh, but it would have made more sense because it's continued all through, through the Word of God. They should have known that, amen? Uh, and so, same thing with the grief, with, with sorrows. So he had, uh, he had he had borne, our griefs and carried our sorrows. So Dr. McCrossin wants to talk about uh, the griefs and the sorrows first. So again, the grief should have been translated as, as sickness uh, and the sorrows should have been better translated as pain. Uh, and so it was used 16 times. And of course, you know, in, in, in this case, the majority of times it was translated as sorrows, but every verse has to be looked at in the context. Uh, and, and not just the context of that, uh, the advantage of translators, uh, Christian translators, right, of the Old Covenant is they have the New Covenant to give them some additional light on what those th- words should have meant in the Hebrew. Uh, and, they, and they could have and should have taken advantage of that, and, but yet chose not to. So the word sorrows uh, would have been better translated as pains. In other words, uh, with the emphasis being that uh, it's, it's implying a physical ailment as opposed to a spiritual problem, right? Because did Jesus come to redeem us spiritually? He did. Uh, but did he not also come to deal with us in the natural realm? You know, the thing that the, I find it odd is God created, there's three realms of existence, right? There's the spiritual, there's the natural, and there's the mental. Well, who created those those three realms? Well, God did, amen? Did did. Uh, Did mankind somehow create a realm that that, uh, God didn't create? No. If God created all three realms, then why would God not want to redeem us in all three realms? Amen? Uh, What's that? Yeah, they're talking about physical ailments, right? Yeah. And so uh, it's... uh, But that's not the argument that these folks were making to dispel faith out of the church, uh, they were trying to say it's only it's only spiritual things that God dealt with. Uh, and yet, really, uh, in all of redemption, if you look at the whole plan of redemption, not just the area of, of uh, healing, the whole plan of redemption covers every aspect of humanity, uh, spirit, soul, and body. And so, so the word sorrow should have been better translated as, as uh, pain. So back to Isaiah 53, 4, he hath borne our sorrows, or borne our sicknesses, and carried our pains. That would have been the more appropriate way to translate uh, that verse. And so then he started looking at the verbs in there. What, what does it mean to bear? Right? When he bare uh, our griefs, or buried our, uh, borne our sicknesses, what does that mean? Well, uh, again, uh, he wrote these numbers down, and I'm not going to go through every one of these numbers there, but uh, that word "born" in Isaiah fifty-three-four is the Hebrew word uh, H uh, two H five three seven five. And in in his book, he actually has typically the Hebrew word in, using English letters or the Greek word using English letters. Uh, let's call it a transliteration. Uh, and he'll show that to you there too. Uh, but since you can't read Greek or Hebrew, I mean, maybe some of you can. Uh, I can't read it, but I can read H five three seven five. Amen. Mm-hmm. And so. That word to, to, uh, born in Isaiah 53 4, means to bear in the sense of suffer, suffering punishment for something. So when he bore it, it wasn't just to do it, there was a purpose in bearing Amen. He bore our sicknesses. So there, there was a, a, he was doing it for something, a reason to do it. Amen. Uh, and so, uh, in, a, in, in the same chapter, Isaiah 53 verse 12, it says, Therefore will I divide him a portion with the great, and he, he shall divide the spoil with the strong, because he hath poured out his soul unto death. And he was numbered with the transgressors, and he bare the sin of many, and made intercession for the transgressors. So, of course, Isaiah is a book of prophecy. So who is Isaiah 53:12 prophesying about? Someone that, that was numbered with the transgressors and, and bare the sins of many, or bare the sin of many. Who is he prophesying about? Jesus. Did Jesus bear our sins? Sure. Does anybody argue that case, that Jesus didn't bear your sins? I mean, the atheists will. You ever seen atheists put up billboards? Jesus didn't die for anybody's sins. Uh, yeah, you're wrong about that, right? He, bore, he died for your sins, right? And so, will anybody argue that Isaiah 53, 12 is not so? No, they'll, oh yes, he bore my sins. Well, uh, uh, if Isaiah 53, 4 when it says he bore our sicknesses was uh, the Hebrew word 5375? Uh what, uh what word do you reckon he used in, uh, in Isaiah 53, verse 12, when he says he bare the sins of many? Same exact Hebrew word. So, you know, if you're using the exact same word, then it should have the exact same meaning. Yeah. And so here, here he is, if he bore the sins of many, which means to bear the suffering and punishment for something or somebody else, then then if he did that for our sins and then the writer said that's exactly the same thing they did for our sicknesses then that's part of the atonement process right if he if he took that on him to bear that for the benefit of somebody else then and that's what the 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 uh, uh the argument that dr mccrossin is using uh let's say we don't know what the word bear means so let's go see how it's used other places and of course when we get to isaiah fifty three twelve, the same exact chapter same exact author uh, and he said, well, he, he bore your sins. Well, then whatever he did with our sins, he did the exact same thing with our healing or our sicknesses. So let's, let, let's assume then that they mean the same thing. Amen. And it's not, a, it's not a, a, an unusual or, or, or a stretch of the imagination to say that it means the same thing. So uh, he, if he bore our sins, then he also bore our sicknesses. Uh, and, so, and that means in a substitutionary way. So when he bore your sins... Uh, whose benefit did, did he do that for? He did that for your benefit, right? So he did it as a substitution. So, so that means you, don't, you are not required to bear your own sins. That's the whole purpose of him bearing your sins, is I'm going to do that as a substitution for you. And, you know, uh, if people of faith would, 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 would believe that, you know, so oftentimes people in a church uh, are imperfect. Do you ever notice any imperfect people in church? Would you like a list? Let's see how many we got in here today. You know, okay, that's the number of imperfect people we have in here, right? Uh, And so, uh, but oftentimes we will commit a sin or infraction against the plan and will of God. And then we're like, well, I've made my bed hard. I'm going to lie in it. Well, then you're bearing your sins. But if Jesus already did that for us and you're going to take that up, then you're trying to take something from him. Uh, Or you're saying that, that his bearing your sins was not sufficient for your sins. Of course, you know, people don't really say that, but that's the way they live oftentimes. Well, the work of the cross was not sufficient for my sins, so i have got to take care of my own sins. Well, that would be foolishness, and it, and it borders on heresy, doesn't it, right? Well, what Jesus did on the cross wasn't sufficient, so I need to help him out. Uh, how, how much help can you provide the work of the cross? Lord, I, your cross, it just wasn't quite enough. It wasn't enough for my sins, Right? Uh, and so, you know, I've had the discussion with people. Well, you know, I've really done some bad things, implying that the work of the cross... So you're telling me that what you've done is worse off than what the cross paid for you. People that know the Lord, or at least know a little bit about the Lord, they'll say things like that. Well, I've done too many bad things. So you're telling me that, that the blood of Jesus was enough to cover billions of people's sins, except for years. That's impressive. I mean, you, you must really be a, a super impressive sinner that your sin was greater than the work of the cross. Mm-hmm. And, and yet people do that all the time, right? I've just made my own sins. You know, I've just got to, this is my lot in life to bear because I've, I've done all these things wrong and, and I'm just, you know, I'm suffering under the punishment for my own sins. Uh, well, first of all, you're never going to do it successfully. You're never going to find an end to it. Uh, and and it and it's foolishness anyway because somebody else has already done it much better than you could ever do it. So people of faith will go, Lord, I, I committed a sin and an infraction against you. You paid the price for this. I ask you to forgive me. I accept the, the forgiveness of my sins because your blood was sufficient to cover even the sins I commit today. That's what a person of faith has the ability to do. Now, if you're just trying to live in sin and getting away with stuff, well, that's you know a whole different discussion. Uh, but still. Um, we don't need to try to bear our own sins. Uh, and if we don't need to try to bear our own sins, then it would also be foolish to, for us to try to bear our own sicknesses. Well, this just came on me because, you know, I did this or that. Well, how many examples do we have in the Gospels where Jesus said, you're forgiven, now you can be healed? I mean, even if, even if it's true, and I'm not saying it's true or not, but even if it's true that your, your actions, your sin, your, your stepping outside of the will and plan of God brought this sickness upon you, Let's just say, to, to remove arguments that that's the case, is there no forgiveness for that sin? Well, I've committed the unpardonable sin. You have not committed the unpardonable sin. Amen? What's the only unpardonable sin that there is? Not accepting Jesus, right? Uh, and so, mm-hmm. uh, if you don't accept Jesus and you breathe your last breath on the earth, then that sin cannot be pardoned. And, and Jesus said himself, it will not be pardoned. Amen? Uh, but that's the only one that I know of. Amen? Uh, and so there are sins that lead unto death, and we, you know, we've had this before. We're not going to go into all those things there. Uh, and so, so the word bear means to bear in the sense of suffering punishment for some reason. was a reason for doing it. And what was the reason for Jesus to bear our sicknesses? It was for my benefit, right? I mean, it, it was for a reason. What was the reason? For me. If it wasn't for him. You think you want to do it? Yeah, hit me again. What? what? No, he's not. He did not like the pain. Was he looking forward to it? No, he didn't. In fact, he said, if Lord, if it be any way, let's pass from me. He was not looking forward to it. He was not afraid to do it. You know, he, he had no fear. But he was sane, and he didn't want to do it in the sense of, of, yeah, I can't wait more than anything else to do that. It won't be fun. There was no desire like that. You know, he wasn't a masochist in, uh, desiring pain and suffering. But there was a goal. What was, it, it, it was suffering punishment for something. Well, it was for us. Amen. Uh, and then he looked at the other verb, which was uh, to carry. So he bore our sicknesses and he carried our pains. Well, again, that word carry is very similar. It means to bear something as a penalty or as chastisement. So the carried part is, is giving us some more insight that there, there is a reason that he's doing this as, again, a substitutionary sacrifice for me, but it, it's the punishment of that. So the pains that Jesus endured was a penalty. Well, well, who was deserving of the penalty? Did Jesus do anything to deserve the penalty of the cross? No. We were the ones who, who, were, who were qualified to receive punishment for our sins, and yet Jesus chose to bear that, that penalty, right? When he looked at uh, the, when the judge, uh, you know, the Father God is a judge of all, of all eternity. And when the judge of eternity, uh, the Father God, looked at all the sins that the humanity has committed... Then he said, okay, that sin has to be dealt with. And that's the thing that, that even the church sometimes doesn't understand with. Every sin that's ever been committed has to be dealt with. Amen? God, as a judge, he, cannot, he, he can't let it ride. I understand about mercy and those things, but even in that, he's dealing with it. Uh, and so every sin has to be paid for. And, and so what the, what the father did is he, he added it all up, calculated it, realized that the cost... To pay for this sin, it's going to be infinity. And then we looked out in, in all of the universe, of so what's the only thing valuable enough to make that up? It was the blood of Jesus. When humanity says, I'm going to pay for my own sins, the Lord says, okay, no, no problem. You want to pay for this yourself? Yep. Well, and we say, well, Lord, what's the cost? Well, for your sins, the cost is infinite. And in and, and, and our foolishness, we say, well, Lord, uh, what's my monthly payment? Well, you're never going to get done. You know, it's going to be infinite. Amen? Uh, and so, you know, if you go get a bank loan for something, you know, and I know how to run all these numbers, but you go, you know, you go get a loan for whatever the amount of money is, $10,000, whatever it is, and you say, well, what's the interest rate? And you figure out what the interest rate is, and you say, okay, I, I want to pay this back in, say, 10 years. And you run the numbers, okay, whether your payment then is this amount of money uh, uh, in 10 years, right? Well, what happens when people try to do that is the, the, cost, the interest rate is so high that, that if you make whatever payment it is, it's not going to be enough to even cover the interest. So every month you're actually going behind, amen? So let's just say, and I don't want to get too deep in it, but let's just say that just the interest on that loan is, is $200 a month. And so normally you pay $300 a month, and so 200 go to interest, and $100 reduces the actual debt. Well, if the interest is $200 and you only pay $100 a month, well, then you will never get that paid off. In fact, you're going to owe more as time goes on. But that's, what, that's the deal people make all the time uh, is I want to pay for my own sins. Lord, okay, no problem. It'll be infinity till you're done. Okay, Lord, when do I start? What I, just, I just told you you're never going to get it caught up. Amen? And yet people all the time try to make that deal. I'm going to pay for my own sins. No problem. Uh, you, you'll be doing it forever. And, and that's why we need to understand the value of the cross. That the cross was such a, an amazing event that, that God the Father somehow figured out. And, and he'd been laying the groundwork for this for thousands of years with all of the law, right, with the sacrifices of the animals and the bulls and the goats. And he said, well, that's, that's good for a year, right? A bull and a goat's uh, sacrifice on your behalf will last you about a year, and you've got to redo it because it's not good enough to last more than a year, but it'll last about a year mm-hmm. and, and because uh, how many sins has a bull or a goat committed? None. Notice, notice it wasn't the blood of a person because the blood of a person was not a clean, uh, it wouldn't have been a clean sacrifice. And so uh, even people's uh, blood that had been spilled prior to the cross, it would have been insufficient to cover anybody's sins. So they said, well, we can't use people because they're all messed up. So let's go use a bull and a goat they're kind of neutral Uh, but even that it had to be a a bull or goat without spot or blemish but you know even even that was true you reckon there was any imperfection in in that entire DNA of that animal there's probably something right you know a hair out of place right a toe that is a little too long maybe one extra eyelash I mean something small even small that we couldn't measure Uh, the Lord's like well that came in in a perfect world so Uh, It'll be good enough for a year, but it's not perfect. Until Jesus arrived. And his sacrifice was a perfect sacrifice. And so it was sufficient. So humanity's attempt to to bear their own penalty is never sufficient. And yet plenty of people in the church, you know, well, that's just my lot and life to bear. I'm going to have to bear my own sins. You're never going to get caught up. So instead of being a person of doubt and unbelief, be a person of faith. Well, I can't do it, but I know somebody who did. The Lord Jesus did. And so when he, bore, when he carried our pains, he carried your pains as a penalty or a chastisement. In other words, the punishment for something that had been done wrong. Well, what, what had been done wrong? All of humanity. Amen. All the sins of humanity had done. Amen. Uh, and so, again, in Isaiah 53, and this time verse 11, it says, He shall see the travail of his soul and shall be satisfied. So this is prophesying about the, the coming Lord Jesus. That when Jesus uh, is travailing in his soul, then the judge, and, and anytime you see things that got to do with, with blood sacrifice and payments for sins, you got to put God the Father in the position of judge. That's why he, That's where he's standing at. When he's laying all this out, he's the judge. He's going, okay, I'm going to add up uh, what the crime is, what the punishment should be, and I'm going to figure out what what the deal is to get you off the hook. And so a lot of times, you know, even in the natural world, you go, uh, you're accused of some crime, and you go before a, a jury of your peers, and you get found guilty, and the judge will say, 30 uh, days in jail and a $500 fine. That's how you get out. And, and so people are, well, that's what they, they got to do. They got to go to jail for 30 days, pay a $500 fine, and that's sufficient to cover that sin. Well, when the judge of the earth measured out the infractions of all humanity, the cost was always infinite, amen? It doesn't matter how you run the numbers, it always comes out to infinite. Uh, and so, he said, uh, when he looked at the travail of, of the soul of Jesus, he said, that's, that, that's satisfactory, that's enough, amen? Uh, by his knowledge shall my righteous servant justify many. The word justify means declare free from guilt. We are justified by, by the Lord Jesus, amen? We are declared free from guilt by the judge. The judge has looked at, at, looked at our uh, infractions, counted up what the cost of paying for those infractions were, looked at the account of the blood of Jesus, and said, paid in full. Right? He, I, I now declare you free from guilt, not because of anything you've done, but because somebody else took the guilt on your behalf. So he said, uh, "But by his knowledge shall my righteous servant justify or declare free from guilt many, for he shall bear, or that word bear there in, in uh, uh, verse 11 is the same word as carried uh, from verse 4. Uh, it, it, and so it implies bearing something as a penalty for, uh, or chastisement. So he shall bear or carry as a penalty or chastisement their iniquities. So he's going to bear that uh, for the purpose of, of receiving the punishment that's due for those sins, and sicknesses, and disease, or the sins that we've committed, uh, and so, uh, again, uh, uh, Young's literal translation of, of verse four uh, says, "Surely our sicknesses uh, He hath borne, and our pains He carried them, and we we have esteemed Him plagued, smitten of God, and afflicted." Uh, the the Lisa translation, and it's a good Old Testament translation. He was a a uh, a Jewish scholar. And so he only translated the Old Testament uh, but he even got it right. He didn't have any insight into the New Testament because he was a Jew uh, but he was a Jewish scholar and he translated Isaiah 53, 4 as, but only our diseases did he bear himself himself, and our pains he carried, while we indeed esteemed him stricken, smitten of God and afflicted. Uh, And so, so he's making the case, so he talked about the two, the two words there, uh, the two nouns there, uh, uh, sicknesses and pains, and the two verbs there about bearing and carrying. Uh, and uh, he'd gone through those things. And then, uh, then he, he references, uh, and I'm just going to uh, read this because uh, it's a lot of words here. Uh, he, he just mentions a particular commentary on the book of Isaiah. Uh, and so it says, it, it is to be kept in view that the griefs which the servant Christ is here described as bearing as literally sicknesses. So not some spiritual problems, physical sicknesses. And that similarly, the sorrows may be diseases. Matthew, in his quotation of this verse, takes the words to refer to bodily ailments. And that interpretation is part of the whole truth. For Hebrew, though, uh, drew no sharp line of distinctions between diseases uh, of the body and those of the soul, as, as we are accustomed to draw, all sickness as taken to be the consequence of sin. So he's telling us that we really needed the New Testament to give us insight of what the Old Testament was saying. And that's, that's the value of why uh, we studied all of the Word of God, not just the Old Testament, not just the New Testament, but we study all of the Word of God. Uh, but he says all sickness should be taken to be the consequence of sin. And that's true, right? So it's not necessarily your sin. I mean, it could be, right? Your sin could open up the door for sickness and disease. But the reason why there's sickness and disease in the earth is because there's sin in the earth. And so it's not always because of something you've done wrong, but because of, uh, the family of, of humanity has, has only engaged in sin for as long as we've been the family of humanity, then sickness is running rampant in the earth. Amen? Uh, and so it's an unfortunate uh, Situation we find ourselves in, but fortunately the Lord Jesus has given us a way out. Uh, and so then he, he starts talking about, we're, we're out of time to start going to all of us here. Then he references the next one. So that's Isaiah 53 4. And turn over to Matthew uh, chapter 8. So Matthew chapter 8, then we see uh, this same uh, verse essentially repeated from the Old Testament now into the Gospels. Uh, And this is a a good rabbit path to to learn and know. Uh, And so it says here, let's start in verse 14 of Matthew chapter 8. It says, When Jesus was come into Peter's house, he saw his wife's mother, his mother-in-law in in other words, laid and sick of a fever, and he touched her hand and the fever left her. Now, if you go to Luke's version of that, it says he rebuked the fever, which I think is an interesting assistant there that sometimes you can speak to the sickness and disease. And all things in this natural world has the ability to hear faith. And so when he rebuked the fever, well, is the fever a person or a thing or a spirit? No, it's just the fever. Uh, But it resides in the natural world, so it has the ability to hear faith and will respond to faith. Uh, And so it says, He touched her hand, the fever left her, she arose and ministered unto them. And when the evening was come, they brought unto him many that were possessed with devils, and he cast out the spirits with his word and healed all that were sick. Now, when you read that verse, then it's clear that when he's talking about healed all that were sick, what way were they sick? Physically, right? I mean, that that should be obvious from the context of that and all of the other stories we see about Jesus healing that he was talking about their physical sickness, leprosy, right? Uh, uh, Paralysis, uh, different things that they had uh, physical ailments with. It says that he healed all of them. And then it says in verse 17 that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by Isaiah the prophet, saying himself took our infirmities and bare our sicknesses. So that's a direct quote from Isaiah 53, 4. So in the context of what Matthew is saying then, uh, that it says that Jesus fulfilled that statement, that when it was prophesied by Isaiah that he's going to bear these things and carry these things, And then when we get to Matthew chapter 8, it said, see, look, he's doing what was prophesied of him hundreds of years ago. And that's the thing I find odd is that how is there any Jewish person left on the earth? Like, you know, any Jewish person could go and see what that was prophesied, and then they go and see the record of Jesus uh, and see, well, he did exactly what that prophecy was supposed to be, so only the Messiah could do all those things, right? I don't know how there's any Jewish person left on the earth. Uh, any intelligent Jewish person on the earth, right? I mean, you're always going to people who just, well, that's just the way it is. Uh, but any, you know, I know lots of Jewish, or know of a lot of intelligent Jewish people who who will not become Christians. Like, well, let make any, Why would you not? How could you not? Uh, you, you see the the results of the work of Jesus, uh, and so. But that part there in verse 17, where it says that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by Isaiah the prophet. So people have uh, taken that and said, well, when it says that it might be fulfilled, see, it was fulfilled when Jesus was here, and then that means it came to an end. He filled, he finished it, and it didn't continue after that. And, and so they make the case. Well, see, obviously here, based on this, but again, what did, what did a Scottish Canadian say? He's going to find, search the scriptures and find the best possible reason to believe this or not believe this based on the whole counsel of God. Mm-hmm. And yet people will... Oftentimes take a phrase like this and say, "See if it was fulfilled, then it means it came to an end that he, he took care of our sickness and diseases when on the earth, but now he 's no longer on the earth that it came to an end. Is that a valid argument? Well, I mean it, uh, we all know that the answer is no right that it 's not a valid argument that when it was fulfilled it didn 't come to an end uh, and so uh, uh, well, maybe we 've got a little uh, a couple more minutes here, uh, and so uh, it says um, uh, Let's go, um, well, we've got uh, several places we can go to here. Um, I don't want to go to all of these places here. Um, let's go, yeah, let's go to Luke chapter 4. What is, that's a good place to start. He's got several, uh, several uh, reasons why or several examples of why this is not so. Uh, but I think this, this is a good one here. So this is Luke chapter 4. So Luke chapter 4, this is right after Jesus went to the wilderness, right? He went to the wilderness for 40 days. Uh, it was tempted of the devil, uh, and then he, he left there. It says in verse 14, and Jesus returned uh, in the power of the Spirit in the Galilee, and there went out a fame through him all the regions round about. Well, you know, the fame was about this man, he'd been in 40 days in the wilderness, and he returned alive, right? I mean, most people go 40 days in the wilderness, and they never return. So it's not really, it's not 40 days, it's forever. Because uh, mm-hmm. wilderness was a place not intended for human, uh, humanity. Uh, and so it says he returned and he taught in all the synagogues being glorified of all and he came to Nazareth where he had been brought up and as his custom was he went into the synagogue on the Sabbath day and stood up for to read and there was delivered unto him the book of the prophet Isaiah uh, and when he opened the book he found the place where it was written so a common, a, a common uh, custom that they had was even though he wasn't the ruler of the synagogue you could go in and say I want to do scripture reading today and there used to be a thing there used to be a, a thing where churches would say we're going to have scripture reading and they'd say you know uh, brother so-and-so, please stand up and read, read the scriptures. Amen? And that was, uh, anybody go to a church like that? I mean, I never went to a church like that, but, but I've heard stories that they did that. And, of course, uh, that would have terrified my pastor, because uh, he didn't like reading. Uh, uh, and, uh, in fact, when we got married, um, you know, we, uh, we, got, we got engaged, and they said, we're going to get married in six months and, um, you know, we'd like you to do the ceremony. He said, okay, great. Uh, he said, what are you going to do about the vows? He said, well, we're going to write our own vows. Okay, no problem. He said, I, I need a copy of them. I go, like, okay, you know, I'll get you a copy. And then we'd meet, we met every month until we got married just, you know, for some uh, premarital counseling. Uh, and every month, where's those vows? Well, I'm not quite finished with them. I need them. Okay, well, I'll get them, you know. Uh, where's the vows? Uh, and I, I why is he so, I mean, I just give them to you the day we get married, right? Here they are. But, see, I didn't know him at the, well enough at the time. He wanted to read them a thousand times to make sure there's no words he didn't un- misunderstand or nothing he didn't know what, how to pronounce. Uh, for him, reading a, 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 just a paragraph without having seen it first would have terrified him because it's like, uh, he, just, he was not that kind of person. who just, well, here's the, just read it, right? There's no way he would have done that, right? And so he would have never done this. He would have never said, give me a scroll. Just any scroll. Yeah, give me that one. There's no way he'd have done that. And so, but Jesus did that, amen. Uh, and it was a scroll. It wasn't a book. It was a scroll. And he said, he found the place where it was written. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he hath anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He hath sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to preach deliverance to the captives and recovering of the sight to the blind, to preach the acceptable year of the Lord. Uh, and so, and he it goes, it goes on down. Uh, and he says, he closed the book. And he gave it uh, again to the minister and sat down. And the eyes of all of them that were in the synagogue were fastened on him. And he began to say to them, This day is this scripture fulfilled in your ears. Well, that's what he said about what he did in Matthew chapter 8. So when it, it was fulfilled, and I said, Well, when Matthew chapter 8 said he bore our sickness and diseases, then it was fulfilled. That means it, it was it, that he finished it right there. And it didn't, didn't continue past that. And so Jesus is saying here, that uh, this pro- now this is a prophecy from Isaiah 61. We don't we're not going to read it because it just says exactly what he just said. Um, Isaiah 61, verses one and two. Uh, and he says, "This day is this scripture fulfilled in your ears." Well, what did Jesus say he was going to do? Well, one thing he said he's going to uh, preach the gospel to the poor. Th- did that come to an end? No, it was the beginning of the preaching of the gospel. So even though it was fulfilled. In, in other words, it's fulfilled. The beginning of that has started and it never came to an end. Is, is he still preaching the gospel to the poor? Sure. Are we still preaching deliverance to the captive? Well, sure. But he said it was fulfilled. That doesn't mean it came to an end there. That just means when it actually came into existence, uh, instead of being a prophecy, it has come in, in, into existence in the earth. The, the, the promise of the, of the prophecy was... I'm going to do these things, and then when he started doing those things, see, it's fulfilled. We're starting right now. We're not going to stop. Uh, healing the brokenhearted. Has he, is he still healing the brokenhearted? Sure, right? And so, if those things are true, and the last thing he says, uh, sitting at liberty the bruised, or the enfeebled or the broken down, is he still sitting at liberty the bruised? Well, sure he is. Did that come to an end in the ministry of Jesus? No. Uh, And and so if those things are true, then one of the other things he said in in, um, uh, quoting the prophecy is uh, uh, giving sight to the blind. So if he's still preaching the gospel, even though it was fulfilled, if he's still preaching deliverance to the captive, uh, if he's still uh, setting at liberty those that are bruised, if he's still healing the brokenhearted, and that didn't come to an end even though he said this day is the scripture fulfilled in your ears Then he's also still healing the, the blind. So again, you can't, you can't pick and choose and well that one's stopped but these other ones are continuing, right? Is the gospel still being preached? I mean you don't have to even argue any other cases. Clearly the gospel is still being preached. If the gospel is no longer being preached then it ended at the ministry of Jesus and there's no point for the book of Acts forward. We could have just ended the church and gone home to be with the Lord. No, that's not the way, that's not the way it was worked. So, so uh, the phrase about uh, this day, is this scripture fulfilled? It's the beginning of a continuous fulfilling and not a, uh, uh, the way he said it, is not a singular, a completed event, right? It didn't, when he said it's fulfilled, it didn't mean it came to an end there. It's just now it's beginning at this point in time. We're doing that. And so, uh, but people who are looking for uh, arguing against faith will just say any, anything that they can come up with to prove that faith is not continuing today. Uh, and that's what they'll do. They'll pick up, we'll see that it was fulfilled. And so if it's fulfilled, that means he's not doing it anymore. Well, let's look at the whole counsel of God, right? The word of God is plenty sufficient to argue its own case. Yeah, and let's leave the Matthew 8:17 alone till we go and search the other phrases of the same use of this phrase. And if there's other phrases also indicate that it came to an end and is no longer necessary, just like uh, if he said it was fulfilled that, uh, that uh, a substitutionary sacrifice is done on the cross. Is that true that is, that, uh, in the sense that is there going to be any other sacrifice of the cross? No. So that one did come to an end. Uh, but uh, in this case, and like all the other cases, these things are continuing events because we see them continuing through the Gospels and through the book of Acts. Uh, and so uh, we'll, we'll finish up there for, for now. Uh, we'll look at some other things here. Uh, but again, he, he's going through and making the case, looking at Isaiah 53, 4, and some of the arguments about why this is not for us today, why it came to an end, uh, and showing how they're just, they're just kind of empty arguments, amen? Uh, and, and for me, you know, anytime I hear somebody try to do away with the supernatural, I'm always suspicious. Uh, and yet much of the church, they, they are routinely trying to remove the supernatural aspect out of the church. And if we remove the supernatural aspect out of the church, then we, we might as well just call ourselves the Moose Lodge, right, the Elk Lodge, or some other large game lodge, amen, uh, the Bear Lodge, or whatever, uh, because there's no, we're no different. We're a social gathering of people of like minds uh, and enjoying the fellowship of each other. Well, that's great. That's not the primary intent of the church, amen. Uh, the primary intention of the church is to fulfill the plan and will of God in the earth until he returns, and so Let's pray and thank the Lord for for, uh, his word today. So, Father, we do thank you for the word of God. And, Father, we thank you that, that these things have not come to an end. That if you were healing in the Old Testament, you're healing today. If you were healing during the Gospels, you're healing today. Father, these things have not come to an end. You never intended them to come to an end. You didn't plan for them, Father, to. You intended them to continue until the need for healing is no longer necessary in the earth. And that will only come about when we all uh, exchange these bodies subject to death with bodies no longer subject to death. And so, Father, we thank you until that day comes, healing is available to us. And we thank you for it, Father. We give you the praise and the honor for it, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. You know, there will come a day when when healing will come to an end, right? And the reason why is because the Lord will replace things with things that are better. He replaced the Old Testament sacrifices, with the sacrifice of Jesus. And since it was better, it was no longer need necessary to continue on with sacrifices. So sacrificial system came to an end because he replaced it with something better. Uh, uh, healing is the same thing that we have uh, supernatural healing available to us until we get something better. Well, the something better would be a body that does not require healing. Well, if you have a glorified body that does not require healing, wouldn't that be better? And so he will, re- he will retire things when there's no longer necessary. Not just randomly because, well, you know, at the first century, after the last apostle died, you know, he did away with all of this stuff. Well, that's just random. That doesn't make any easy Why would he do that? You know, there's still a need for those things, then he should continue those things. If there's still a need for healing, then he would continue those. And, of course, the Word of God shows that he, that he has, but people come up with all these arguments about these things that don't make any sense. Amen? Uh, and so, let's get ready to receive this afternoon's offering. Uh, and... Um, um, Let's see, uh, I didn't even mention our birthdays this morning, right? We're, we're still in September, though. you get a birthday. Who else had a birthday? I mean, Jerry and Vicki had an anniversary, right? Anybody else? Uh, it's not a test or anything, so. Uh, uh, <laughs> Chris, like, there might be somebody else besides me, but I don't know. Uh, I'm the only one who has a birthday. Um, <laughs> that's all right. Happy birthday to anybody. Yeah. Oh, yeah right yeah and so yeah yes right of course doris is like the month of october anyway right so come ahead uh mr jared receive the offering what's that doris oh yeah yeah the birthday month right uh yeah milk the whole thing as long as you can get away with it amen uh well uh, you know uh, i've enjoyed uh dr mccross in the book here because he, he makes really good arguments and, and uh You know, I'm not a big one to spend a lot of time in what other people say that's wrong about healing, but sometimes it's helpful to go back and and see, you know, why don't you believe that? Because it doesn't make any sense to me, but it is, at least from an intellectual standpoint, I am curious about why do you possibly believe that God doesn't heal? And I'll listen to them, right? I want to hear why they don't believe that. And and usually I come away kind of sad because like, wow, you have never met the same God I've met. Amen. If you met him like I met him, you'd always know that God wants to heal you. Amen. Um, And so praise God. Is the Lord good? Amen. We'll be blessed. Uh, uh, We have uh, church Wednesday at 7 p.m. And uh, you're dismissed.